you know what? It is a beautiful summer day and we're working on the summer series. Why not sit outside and do a podcast? The birds are chirping. The dogs are barking. There's noises in the background. This is what life is like and it should be embraced. Hey, you know what? Today we're going to move forward and we're going to look at the Reconstruction time period. Everyone always looks at the Civil War and they tend to skip quickly through Reconstruction. We're going to do the opposite. We're going to just really overskip Civil War. We get it. We're going to look at Reconstruction and why maybe it's problematic as a time in American history, but also how we can learn from it how to assess American history today from a different vantage point. So let's get on with this. Enjoy the birds in the background and let's do this. You know, we're at a time in American history now, and that sounds weird to say, you know, we're at a time in American history because let's be honest, American history is evolving always. And by that, we know that it's going to change in terms of the interpretation for what we're looking at, right? In everything. Um, so today we had the monumental decision. Actually, I believe it was yesterday. Uh, Mississippi decided to vote to remake the flag to remove the Confederate imagery from their flag, the Confederate flag, of course, in that one. Something that I never thought I would see in my lifetime. And I'm sure the 150 years before this, people never thought they would see because it has been ingrained in American culture, especially Southern culture, um, for many different reasons. You know, critics of the decision today will point to the fact that it was the South's history with states' rights, blah, blah, blah. Well, reality, as we know, it took on a massive racist connotation throughout history. So for me personally, it is a great thing to see gone in that one. However, I can see people saying that it does erase history in that one. But good move. I'm glad we move forward with it finally. And I'm still just shocked that it actually happened because I didn't think that would ever happen. And you're probably sitting here thinking too, like, yeah, you know what? You're right, Vince. I didn't think so either. That's, uh, that's, um, that's good. That's awesome. But wow. Take a deep breath and realize where we're at in American history. Brilliant on that one. Moving forward, though, going throughout American history and re-looking at how we look at it. You know, we spend a lot of time on wars. We know that because wars, I guess, people like when we look at them because they're nice ways for people to see winning. You know, it fits into the American narrative. Nice when people win, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I don't focus a lot on the actual Civil War itself in terms of looking at it. What I tend to focus on more is after it because I think this is when now American history really becomes different for people because there's many different ways to look at it. So right now we're going to look at the time period quickly and just talk about it for reconstruction, which is we know 1865, the end of the civil war all the way to about 1877 is when most historians will claim this is the reconstruction uh, time period in that one. Why reconstruction matters. Um, reading from the New York times opinion piece, you know, it, it really matters because it refers to this, time period that nation's laws and constitution are being rewritten to guarantee the basic rights of former slaves uh, and biracial governments come to power throughout the defeated confederacy. Okay, cool. So yeah, we see this, hey, we made mistakes. We need to fix this. We need to move forward with this one on it. Sounds great in theory, right? You know, sins of the past, we're going to erase it and spend almost a decade fixing things with it. Here is an interesting thing, though. There are four different schools of thought that really deal with the interpretation of Reconstruction, um, and they've been a bit controversial. 
So it goes on to say that nearly all historians hold that Reconstruction ended in failure, but for different reasons, right? The following list describes some schools of thought regarding Reconstruction. So the first one is called the Dunning School Thought. Considered failure was inevitable and felt that taking the right to vote or hold office away from Southern whites was a violation of republicanism. Okay, don't really agree with it. Uh, second school of thought is sees the reason for failure as, <clears throat> excuse me, Northern Republicans' lack of effectiveness in guaranteeing political rights to blacks. Okay. Uh, third school blames the failure on the freedmen not receiving land so they could have their own economic base of power, one that I highly agree with. And a fourth school sees the major reason for failure of Reconstruction as the state's inability to suppress the violence of Southern whites when they sought reversal for black gains. Ooh, very important. So for me, the resonation is more in the third and fourth school of thought there, where there is an economic unviability, if you will, that is not pushed out. Um, and there's this backlash of blacks gaining, right? And certain whites are now saying, whoa, wait a second, I'm all about free, but now the roles are being reversed or full equality is there. Because it's funny when you think about it, you know, when you really think about equality, you know, we hear Declaration of events, we hear the Constitution, we hear the words what's said, and it makes it very nice that all men are created equal, deprivation, blah, blah, blah. We're, we're all happy. Let's do this. But when it comes to what full equality really is, full equality really is, is life opportunities, is economic gains. And to me, there's no greater sense of equality than having the economic gains to produce and to make more in that one. So I think Reconstruction, the time period, set out to give a lot because we had to make up for the wrongs, right? We had to bring about and we had to stop being so hypocritical with it. We actually had to do what we said we were going to do. And I think a lot of America at that time, in particular pockets, were very much against that, that it's fine on paper to say we're equal, but in terms of actual equality, whoa, wait a second now. Because the way I look at it in this one, you know, when you look at it this way, capitalism has winners and losers. It's not a socialist philosophy where everyone is going to win. That's not how it works. When someone gains, someone loses in that one. So I believe a lot of the culture, whites at the time in the South that were against Reconstruction, were seeing it as black gains meant their loss in that one. So from a capitalist standpoint, they're viewing it as that, which is why you're starting to see this reversal on it. And honestly, when you look at it from like an economical standpoint, competition is what makes things better, right? The fact that there are many players in the game doing something is what drives innovation forward. So actually, you know, Mitch of the South, if you think about it, should have been looking at this as awesome because now we have more people doing things and we're competing to make things better. So this is only going to drive forward America. Unfortunately, it wasn't looked at in that respect, which is frustrating when you think about it. So reconstruction is this time where we're going to make equal, but then we know this is also the time that shadows with Jim Crow laws come about in particularly, uh, we know black codes. So if we don't know what black codes are, uh, black codes are these really restrictive laws that are designed in theory to limit the freedom of African-Americans and ensure that availability as a cheap labor force after slavery was abolished continues, right? So it's a way to still keep, if you want to use the term, you know, the indentured servitude that I'm going to make your life so restrictive that you're going to want to work for me for cheap labor. Uh, I can lower the cost. I'm going to make your life absolutely miserable, even though technically it's not per se 
illegal, even though black codes, let's be honest, are massively illegal. Because uh, under black codes, many states required blacks to sign yearly labor contracts. If they refuse, they risk being arrested, fined, and forced into unpaid labor. Okay, let's be honest in that one. Uh, that's slavery. Welcome back to it again. So, like, we're not seeing this full-on push to what we're saying and it's almost one of those kind of sweeping under the rug things that reconstructions here we're giving people their right finally to actually abide by what we say in the constitution we're giving people but we're going to kind of submerge state it we're going to keep it undergrounds and we're going to make your life a living hell is what it is so for me the reconstruction time period is really this time where we're trying to make amends but we're not really going full force in that one um I love this quote by W.E. Dubois. Let me find it real quick again, because I, I think this really sets it up. In, and he wrote in 1935, he said about the time period, quote, the slave went free, stood a brief moment in the sun, then moved back again towards slavery. So the conditions of black Americans would not improve really until the civil rights era, the fifties and sixties. And even then it's questionable. We look at it, but you know, W Dubois, I, I think his quote really sums up that time period correctly for it in the sense that we do move for freedom. We do move towards giving it, but then it retracts immediately. And unfortunately a lot is happening in America to where we can sweep that under the rug in terms of historical context. And that becomes frustrating because for me as well, like I talk about today and I talk with people in terms of the intelligence community on, Hey, how come we can't make, um, just like we make Al Qaeda part of groups that we have banned, right? Why can't we make the KKK under that list? Why can't we put them on a domestic terror list? If we had that right, obviously terrorism is very open-ended. So people's list is different, but the point is, why can't we prosecute people like we can Al-Qaeda? Why couldn't we do that in America? When we look at the Enforcement Act of 1871, also known as the Civil Rights Act of 1871, Force Act, uh, Ku Klux Klan Act, this is an act that empowered the president to suspend the writ of habeas corpus to combat the KKK and other white supremacy organizations. Think about it. This is in 1871, so this is during that time President Grant signs in. We're not seeing that stuff anymore. So it's it frustrating for me this time period that you're having, you're playing both cards, right? And when we look at that, it gives us more credence moving forward to really question American history. So from what perspective are you looking at it? And this particular um, article, this big thesis was writing it on, hey, lovely dogs in the background, isn't it? Uh, you have Reconstruction and then you have Jim Crow. And if you look at them both side by side, they're still covering the same time period per se, but they're talking about different things when you look at it. So then maybe the challenge is going throughout history to really look at things and have a unique perspective from multiple angles. And if you can do that, then you really are getting organically what a historical time period is all about in that one. Think about it. That's really important as we're moving forward to think about, because I don't think we do that. We look at history very unilaterally. We look at it from one standpoint usually, and that's it. But imagine if we looked at it from multiple standpoints, what it would actually do for our general understanding and our real understanding, if you will. Ooh. 
Well, again, we challenge the status quo. We challenge ourselves to look differently at why we look at things from a certain perspective. So again, metacognitively speaking, why do we always think the way we think? Why do we not challenge ourselves to look at it from a different standpoint? So just by looking at reconstruction, what if we were to look at it from a different vantage point? Does that change our understanding of history? And if it does, then does history have to be rewritten to incorporate everyone? I'm not saying it has to be erased, but does it have to look at multiple angles? And if that is the case, which I firmly believe it is, that changes the way we have to look going forward. And it may not be comfortable. I'm going to say that, and I'm going to end that with the podcast today, that looking at history from a different perspective is very challenging because all those textbooks, all those books beforehand that you are basically going to go contrary against. But you know what? We have to, because we have to be real with our history. A lot of today, what we're seeing is blowback because we have not addressed history the way it should have been. It's okay to not have a pretty past. It is totally okay with that because you know what? We cannot learn to be better in the future if we don't recognize the honest truth of what happened going forward. So, hey, keep your mind open, metacognitively practice thinking, and we will see you later.